0: When I was younger, I used to be contributing to travel and leisure. I remember at one point flying business on Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong, uh, staying at the peninsula, not just in any room, but in the telescope suite where there's this giant telescope that looks out into the skyline from Kowloon, and then having a Rolls-Royce Phantom drive me to the airport. <laughs> it was bananas.
1: You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Matt Rodbard, here with Senior Editor Anna Heasel.
0: Today, Matt is talking with Gary Steingart, a prolific novelist and food writer who's written New York Times bestselling books, including The Russian Debutante's Handbook, Super Sad True Love Story, and his most recent work, Our Country Friends.
1: I'm such a fan of Gary Steingart, and I've wanted to have him on the show for a long time, and it was such a pleasure to have him in our studio. We talked about how he writes about food in his fiction, the way he textures the writing with real home cooking victories and annoyances and what he enjoys cooking at home. We also talk about all of the restaurants he loves in New York City, and we talk about 90s New York and some of the great restaurants we've long forgotten, including the great Florent in the Meatpacking District.
0: Here's Matt talking with Gary.
1: Gary Steingart, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. You are really, you're a depth observer of online culture, celebrity shenanigans, social media, and food, the the consumed, cooked, and projected via social media channels type of food. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to know, what what gets you excited about food culture today?
0: I like the fact that anyone can sort of just open a little tiny place, and it can become a gigantic hit. Um if I lived in Portland, Oregon, I was just in Portland for my book tour, and I was just eating from truck to truck. I mean, that's a very developed truck culture. Uh, but I think my favorite t- place in New York last year was the Liberiolandia taco truck, which is from um, from Tijuana originally, the kind of food originates, and it's a beautiful, sloppy, wet taco that you dip into consomme. So, you know, you buy a taco, you buy a consomme, and even though your taco's sort of like falling apart because it's just brisket with just bathed in soup and you're just dipping it into more soup and I mean it's it's
1: indecent. It's did you a, find that proposal. did you find that on TikTok? Because honestly the Berea trend was yeah. was real on TikTok. It was a real thing.
0: I am not a tick, ticker-tocker. <laughs> uh, I am on the gram. So I'm, you okay. know, it takes me usually 10 years to, to find a trend. <laughs> I just got rid of my MySpace. Um, oh, I am, congratulations. I have, yeah, mazel. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, there's nothing on it. Uh, but you can still find me at Hotmail and, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, I was seeing it pop up on Instagram. And then I have a friend who's sort of like my bloodhound and he's always, and he, um, he spends the whole day just basically walking around the city eating um and he he said you got to go to uh Flushing and I went, mm-hmm. oh it's so far and then finally <laughs> they opened a a truck in Williamsburg so I went oh, across yeah. the river I'm scared of subways because I'm claustrophobic so when mm-hmm. I have to get to the <laughs> when I have to get to the uh the boroughs from Manhattan I take a ferry and a lot and the ferry often drops me off right where the good food is like Sunset Park and uh uh, Astoria or LIC, Long Island City or anything like that. So I've been hopping around, uh, eating from places. Did focus. you ferry
1: here? We're in Midtown Manhattan at the Penguin Random House office. I walked
0: in. here. So I, oh. I live downtown. So I walked to Midtown. I try to also walk like six miles a day because I eat so much that yeah.
1: um, if I don't walk for like two and a half hours, it's just, it's not going to be good, you know. So we met, I say met quote because we just met today face to face, but we, we emailed maybe like six years ago when you blurbed very kindly in my cookbook, Koreatown. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, the
0: tastiest book I've ever blurbed.
1: It was amazing. Thank yeah, you for that. Sure. And and uh, our country friends has uh, a real distinct Korean thread there. There's two main characters Ooh. who are who are Korean. Yeah. And you write um very vividly about Korean culture and Korean food. And I just wanted to know like from the jump how do you bring this distinct Korean flavor to your writing, which you've had in many of your novels. I am <laughs>
0: surrounded by Korean-Americans. That friend I just mentioned, the bloodhound, you know, <laughs> goes around. He's Korean-American. My wife's Korean-American. My kid, I guess, is half Korean. Um, yeah. My mentor, Chang-Rae Lee, the author of many great books, was Korean-American. Uh, two of my best friends. It just goes on and on. So I And I went to a high school that was very... Um, there were a lot of kids from immigrant backgrounds like my own. I was born in Russia in the Soviet Union, and there were a lot of kids from Korea, India, China, et cetera. Uh, and so, I, you know, people were just sitting around eating kimbap, you know, which is a kind of lunch dish with... Uh, Rice and seaweed—it's like a—it's like a roll, but it's very substantial, and you can stuff it with anything. I've had like foie gras kimbap somewhere. Oh,
1: over uh, David uh, the momofuku. Yeah, momofuku. That's yeah, right. That's, yeah, that, would yeah. be, that would be it. Yeah, yeah. And, Kaui. Um,
0: you know, and when I go to Seoul, I, I have a lunch. You know, I just—it's such a cheap but incredibly filling lunch. So. Uh, all that culture has always been marinating, kind of like the beef. Uh, <laughs> and one of my favorite restaurants, which was in Korea town, just closed recently, Marangusai, which, do you know that place? It's it's uh, They did micro brisket. They did a kind of thick ribeye. Uh, it was really very delicious. Sunwon Garden? No. Uh, Marangusai, I think Changray or somebody, some Korean-American took me there, and it was... They did a really great job. I was very sad that the pandemic killed them.
1: Um, oh, that's sorry. I didn't didn't know that one. And yeah. What else do you like in thirty five and thirty two here in the city? Um,
0: you know, I, I think I like some of the stuff a little closer to me in downtown. Like I like Atomix is oh, great. Yeah. I love Coat, the steakhouse. Sure. Um that's a really beautiful piece of beef. Um Yeah, the last time I went to Seoul this billionaire friend of mine took me out to like this pretty unassuming steakhouse but it was like you know everyone all the heads of the chabole the you know the, oh, yeah, the companies the Bowls they were all eating this really delicious steak that's been marinated in cognac for years and you know it was just <gasps>
1: just exceptional Gary, that sounds rad man Yeah it really Cognac marinated bulgogi uh, or kalbi <laughs> yeah kalbi bulgogi Yo man
0: stuff. Yeah yeah I so, love so
1: I was just there last year in November mm. what a city I feel like no one is writing about it vividly yeah. I feel like, what do you, what do you think? Have you, will you set a novel there?
0: I, I would love to. Um, you know, I've written, so I did a piece a long time ago for Travel and Leisure when I kind of ra- ate my way around Seoul. And then I did a really weird piece for the Smithsonian Magazine where I, <laughs> I researched robots in Korea. So I went yeah. from, like, one robot manufacturer to another. And, uh, and But also ate my way through it, too. I went to the opposite coast, you know, Incheon is on one coast. And mm-hmm. I can't remember what the town was on the other side. but they Pohang? Pohang? Yeah, maybe, maybe that sounds kind of familiar. And, and crab was one of their specialties. Yeah. They had a lot of crab stuff, uh, like a crab bibimbap, which was incredible. Oh yeah, yo, that you sounds know. good.
1: I feel like um, Seoul will have um, its Tokyo moment. Yeah, I hope so. Sometime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, because
0: it's kind of a, it's a huge city. Obviously, I mean, so is Tokyo, but it's, uh, you know, the the subway connects it really, the metro connects it really nicely. You can be anywhere in twenty minutes, you know, because it's such a fast wonderful subway, so you can really eat your way through that town, too, and and the great uh, food stands, too, so.
1: So, your character, Ed, who is Korean-American, uh, or Korean, I'm, I'm unsure if it's... Korean-Korean. Korean-Korean, Brit- Korean, right, Brit- right, right, But right. he has
0: British, UK, uh, sorry, UK, Swiss, and Canadian citizenship. That's right. He's that's a real true. citizen of the world.
1: Yeah. A real slasher, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Ed um, has this amazing line. Um, the world needs another Mediterranean cookbook, like I need another ulcer. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fun. I, I wonder, do you believe personally in that sentiment? And then the second part is, do you <sighs> like what is the cookbook that we do need? So,
0: here's the thing. And, and I'll be I'll be completely blunt. Uh, I eat like a maniac. And, you know, if you follow me on Instagram at Stanger, or, or Twitter or anything, all I'm doing is eating, you know, and then I walk six miles or I swim for two hours to try to keep some of that weight off. But that's all I do. But I do not know how to freaking cook at all. I don't know how to boil water. Last time I did, you know, the water exploded somehow. <laughs> I, I caused like a Chernobyl type thing in my kitchen. Everything was... You know, and it's funny upstate where I spend half the year. We have the a chef used to own the house, so there's this like, incredible. I don't know how many range burner range mm. with twelve burners. Twelve. Okay. I don't. I, don't, I, I can't <laughs> even count them. I don't know. There's a lot of burners. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. There's all these buttons. It's like a yeah. compu- you know airplane cockpit to the baking oven. You can put an entire pig in there. Or yeah. Something. But it's completely lost on me. And my wife thankfully cooks a little bit, but you know we're all very busy. So there's a lot of, in New York. I just eat out all the time, but. Um, uh, upstate, we do sometimes cook for Christmas or something for friends, and so we'll put you know, throw in a pig or a boo- moose or I mean. I do you
1: anything. feel though that you have a sense of the cookbook world? Like, I mean, I know you're not a home cook, but you are you write books. And I you're... do. No,
0: I, I mean, you know, I enjoyed your book quite a bit. I enjoyed another book, uh, and I recently re- ate there in Portland, uh, Kachka, which is an amazing, you know, Russian food. Look, I'll be honest, it's not my favorite food, even though I grew up there. Uh, it's not very spicy. It's kind of everything's boiled and kind of a lot of sour cream and butter. It's not my favorite, but uh, they do an incredible job, kind of hipster Mm -hmm. Russian cuisine, really great. And they wrote a very funny kind of book. Also, you know, um, going at one of their, you know, just like in your book, somebody has some of the heritages from there and they they get to contribute. So I do love to read those books. Like I can read them, you know, and they're fun, but there's got to be a narrative to it too. So it's not just, you know, oh, now... Now we're going to cook this. We're going to cook yeah. that. Uh, but uh, my wife is a really good cook, so I often buy her uh, cookbooks. For me, the more interesting stuff is sort of if I were to attempt cooking, it would be. I guess I would go to like the Mark Bittman land. Yeah. Uh, he also lives upstate. Um, and he, he's
1: you know, yeah, he's you know. down uh, in in Cold Spring. Cold I Spring, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. So he's a little
0: bit north uh, south of me, yeah. but. Um, Uh, I'm more in the Rhinebeckian. Yeah, yeah, you're in
1: the Rhinebeck land. I live upstate as well in Orange County. Yeah, so we can we can debate who has the better food.
0: (laughs) It's funny. There (laughs) there used to be like a lot of yeah east east you know like East Coast West Coast. It was like East side of the river, West side of the river. But even now, I admit that (laughs) Kingston right now has the best food scene, and that's a you know that's a town of about twenty six thousand people, and a lot of Brooklynites have fled there to the point where when I was getting my license renewed. Uh, during the pandemic, this woman came out and was like in the DMV and was like, "No Brooklyn people." <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's funny how uh, Kingston does have incredible bakery and and pizza up there is very good. The pizza's
0: good. Lola's Pizzeria is yep. great if you try that, and they also yes. the Kinsley, the hotel Kinsley has a beautiful restaurant, ah, I don't an know Old it. Bank, and uh, food is really spectacular.
1: Well, this is an endorsement for Kingston and paid for by the Kingston, Tourism yeah, Court. The Kingston Bureau of uh, um, Eatings. Speaking of, you're not a home cook, but you can write food scenes beautifully. Yes. And, and yeah. I want to call out the Tonado and Snap piece yes. scene. Yes. Um, I, I really, anybody, I hope our listeners have read your book, Our Country Friends. It's worth it
0: just for that recipe. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: recipe. So, is this scene based on. Any kind of recipe because it's written in a way that clearly you cooked it once when you were writing. I didn't cook
0: it, but an, ah. a good friend of mine cooked it. So I often, so the, you know, our country friends, the conceit is that every, this, this Russian writer, <laughs> where'd I come up with that, right? Yeah. He has all his <laughs> p- friends who are all fleeing the pandemic during the start in March 2020. They all come up to his house and everyone takes turns cooking dinner and stuff like that. So, um, and I do something similar. I have uh, during the summer, I invite a lot of my friends from the city to come up. Um, and I have a lot of friends who live there full-time but everyone kind of takes place takes turns grilling or cooking and so um, my friend James Bouliet, who, uh who is a rock musician with a band um, used to be in a band called Versus now I think it's the plus-minus band mm. really great band versus the rules man Yeah, versus rules What right? a great band it's a great band Oh yeah, damn. yeah, yeah. Nice, nice reference nice reference right yeah so I've known him way back in the day when I think Versus, it was, it was still called Versus. Uh, and so I invited him up a couple of years ago and he made this incredible Vitello tonnato, which I love, but he used, you know, snap peas, which I didn't know. And I think he got, he, I think he said he got the recipe from somewhere else, but it was so exceptional. And when the book came out as a promotional thing, um, I had the, uh, uh, a wonderful writer from New York Times, uh, the book review, uh, Alexandra Alter. She came up with her husband and I invited my friend James up and he made that, that exact thing. And a lot of people also made the exact recipes for this article for the New York, New York Times.
1: Yeah, it's really beautiful, and I feel you even if you're eating this in winter when snap peas aren't in season i'm like gonna go find some snap peas yeah yeah (laughs) and we
0: actually so we you know there's there's wonderful food stands all over upstairs you know so we would buy the snap peas and then we would get oh and also grilled sardines he makes these really beautiful i don't know how he just grills them perfectly that's a delicious you know an underrated fish and uh, actually one thing i eat that i know how to make because i just open a can is um there's all kinds of portuguese really high-end sardine makers and they make them in spices and vegetable and hot vegetable oil. Oof, really delicious. So that, you know, I open up that. I um, toast up a piece of bread. I know how to do that. I put out
1: some beautiful, color.
0: you know. Um, it's more olives. curating, right? Than it's more cooking. curating, exactly. Yeah. I, I know have, how to curate.
1: Yeah. I have to shout out my colleague, Anna Heasel, senior editor at Taste. She is writing a book about conservas and tinned fish.
0: So I love <laughs> conservas and tinned fish. And um, there's a great place, you know, in New York called Huertas. Yes,
1: yes, uh, of course. On f- First and
0: Sixth, are around there. Beautiful, really sweet uh, owners and chef and everything. And uh, it's partly—I mean, it's around. They do other kinds of dishes too. But you can—you can have a whole meal of beautiful cockles and mussels and. Sardines and whatever is just beautiful.
1: Speaking of collecting, you write very vividly about the, your bar, uh, in the bar at the at the house in the in the novel, yeah. and it, and I like that you have your protagonist mixing uh, Negronis with sixty-year Campari, sixty-year-old. Is that intentionally like a this guy doesn't know what he's doing, or do you actually have a moment? Do you believe that this is the best way to make a Negroni?
0: Look, I have people who, when they come by, everyone brings a bottle of something, and a lot of my friends bring really special stuff. Sure, you know, uh, from all over the world. We have uh, some French, a French friend who lives nearby, and she, her parents are in wine country, but they make their own gin and they bottle it. And it's unlike any other gin I've ever, and I love making martinis, and I just couldn't bring myself to make anything with them. I just drink this gin straight up, nothing else. Uh, It is the elixir of the gods. It's (laughs) so beautiful. But, yeah, people bring all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God, should I, what do I do with antique Campari? Probably I should just drink it by, uh, you know, make something.
1: I love that uh, you have antique Campari on hand. Well, it's all gone by now, but yes, it existed
0: at one point. Now I'm I'm like slowly going through this gin. (laughs) But I I know that people will always surprise me and people come from all over. You know, people do their travels. Well, this has stopped during the pandemic, but before people would be like, oh, I just um, somebody just brought me. I was on tour and I I was reading in San Francisco and I love anything Georgian. There's a great Georgian restaurant in my part of uh, Manhattan. Um, What's it called? um, It's called Chito Gavrito. Um, I can't remember where it is exactly, but it's yeah. somewhere near Union Square. And it's, oh, these aubergine rolls and, oh, uh, nice. and uh, this garlicky chicken they do, a whole hen. Mm, mm, mm. Just incredible. So um, this guy who's just, you know, he, he reads my books, and he brought me homemade cha-cha, which is a kind of Georgian brandy, C-H-A-C-H-A. Uh, and it was so freaking good, and I realized I was, you know, I had to wake up the next morning and I forgot that I had it, and, and then the and the dude in the airport is like, <laughs> nice. it's like seven in the morning. I had an early flight to Portland. He's like, you can't, you know, you gotta you gotta check in your luggage. And I was like, there's no time, so I just drank the whole freaking bottle. <laughs> The whole freaking bottle. Wow. And I think I had like a NPR interview or something later that day. And I'm like, let me tell you about my book. Uh, <laughs> I'll
1: definitely link to that interview in the show notes. <laughs> you can find it. Yeah. Oh,
0: my God. I love no, it. It's, it's
1: great. Um, I feel like uh, this book it has a lot of a uh, time traveling happening. And I, and one of the wonderful parts of the aspects of the book, Our Country Friends, is the flashbacks of New York in the '90s, New York City. And I got to shout out to Screaming Mimi's. That's yeah, a great Screamies. reference. But thank you. <laughs> one of the best references is Florent. You write about Florent. as a meatpacking mm-hmm. institution from the '80s until I would say 2014, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. 2010. I might be wrong. Let's talk about Florent because clearly you have a connection to the place. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was such an eye opener for me. You know, I grew up in Eastern Queens. Little Neck, Queens, you know, which is uh, it might as well be the suburbs, kind of this very <laughs> yeah. far away. There's not even a subway there. You have to take the Long Island Railroad to get into town. And I was it was a very provincial. I went to this um, kind of parochial Jewish school, right? I you know, I, I didn't even know what Manhattan was. Like for a while, I confused some of the tall buildings in Queens for Manhattan. I, I just didn't know where it, you know. And then I got into this high school in Manhattan, this kind of math and science high school, where I met all of my friends, so who some of whom are. You know, composites for some of the characters in our country friends. So, um, and that was Manhattan. That was a Lower, uh, East Village, Lower East Side mm. kind of place, and. It was incredible. And along the way, I think right, maybe right after school ended, I discovered Florent. And it was a trip. First of all, the food was really good.
1: Always. Really Always good. good. It was never bad. I mean, that's the one thing about this restaurant. It was never always bad. good.
0: Never bad. You could buy a carafe of white wine for, I think, six bucks, right? Which I know was more then, right? But still, you know, whatever. Can you imagine a $10 carafe today? Um, and, and mussels with fries, um, this incredible... Um, what was it? Oh, it was like a goat cheese spinach. Again, remember, I was from nowhere from Hickland. And for me, this kind of, you know, cheap French food, please. But it was also the fact that it stayed open almost entirely through the night. And it was filled with denizens that I had never, ever imagined in my life. You know, every artist went down there, every writer went down there there were prostitutes, uh, transgender prostitutes, who used to ply their trade along Little West 12th. Yeah, Village Idiot, right on that stretch. Exactly, exactly. Uh, And so they would drop in at 3 in the morning after finishing their, I guess, shift, uh, or before a new shift began. And, you know, and... It was the most democratic place in New York, and that's the kind of stuff I really miss now that Manhattan... And that's one of the reasons I really enjoy living upstate, not that we have that exactly, but it feels a lot certainly more democratic than the New York of today. I mean, you really have to go to, you know, to find a taco truck in Queens or Brooklyn if you want, or the Bronx if you want to find something like that today. But uh, the Florent was just... And it was a beautiful kind of, you know, it had a chrome bar there was a, a kind of a letter board. zinc it a zinc bar zinc bar yeah, exactly yeah. sorry zinc bar it had a kind of letterboard where there would be funny writings the the owner was this wonderfully flamboyant dude you know he was a French guy his, his name was Florent um, it was it was probably the most perfect restaurant in the world and when it closed I remember I went there the night before it closed oh you did I did oh, wow. I did I was doing a reading in Israel of all places and I was like put me on the flight I gotta get back in time for it. and it was. So
1: depressing, honestly. Um, it, it, and I think for me, Manhattan really lost a lot of its luster after. It was the Meatpacking district, b- district before Restoration Hardware, before a lot of that bullshit that that made that neighborhood soulless.
0: I, it's soulless. I'm sorry to offend people who live there, but I it will. Is, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, to, it's it's the it's one of my most disliked neighborhoods. Yeah, me ever. too. I go there for the Apple Store, and it's like, <laughs> that's right. That's where you go for like yeah. it's like high end electronic crap. Not not anything. I haven't eaten there in ages. Oh, you know, Pastis reopened. That's okay. But, yep. you know, I wish they would move somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Do you remember when Tom Brown used to hang out at Pastis, like, every single morning? Yeah. He would be yeah. at the, like, That's at the right. like, Pastis had a real vibe, too, similar to yeah. Florent, like, years later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pastis
0: sort of picked up the baton from Florent in a way, but it was never like it. Never, never,
1: like, never like it. Like it but i i just think are there any other restaurants from 90s new york that you want to remember i think our audience would would appreciate that I would, yeah
0: yeah so there were a bunch actually not far from the meatpack industry and i used to live around that area. i used to live on 11th and uh oh god i can't remember where like uh greenwich probably yeah greenwich and 11th around there so there was a great place on jane around there called el faro and I think I've written about that in other books I've written because its it was a real kind of a Spanish place. Everybody used to smoke inside the walls were these kind of murals of um, scenes from Galicia. It was the Galician cuisine. So marascada in green sauce, like thick and garlic or shrimp al ajillo. And just everything was, I mean, the salad had garlic on it. The <laughs> tablecloth had garlic on it, you know. You walked out of there and you would smell like garlic for the rest of your life and, and smoke because people would smoke yeah, while what eating. What a wonderful
1: bouquet there. The garlic breath and the then the cigarette.
0: I the mean, cool you know, stuff. and I remember like people go on dates. I would make out with people after <laughs> yep. smoking and eating there. I don't know how the hell because it didn't matter at that point. You know, everyone no. smelled like a garlic ashtray. <laughs> um, just delicious, delicious food. Yeah. Another place, um, uh, what the hell was it called? Rio Mar, which was also, which was right down the street from um, Florence. Um, in one of those sort of triangular buildings, beautiful buildings. Um, also Spanish food, uh, specializing, obviously, in, in seafood. Uh, I, went, I saw, I think, the biggest roach I've ever seen in New York <laughs> on the wall there. It looked like one of the lobsters had escaped. For a second, I was like, "Huh? Ah, get him back in the tank. And
1: then, I'll even then he sh- flew out,
0: flew away, and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: I'll even shout out the old Fatty Crab that was Fatty Crab, there. Remember yeah. Fatty Crab? I remember Fatty Crab. I think one of the owners of Fatty Crab
0: I don't know how this works. I think they have a place in Hudson, which is another great food town upstate, called
1: Back Bar. Zach is- Palaccio. Oh, oh, that's it. Zach Palaccio, hopefully one day will be on the podcast. I, right. i old uh- you know, acquaintance of mine, good guy, really good, good guy. guy, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's, and he's behind that, right? Yeah, so, so that's a great place. And they do a kind of um, they do all of the cuisines of South Asia, of Southeast Asia, which can be a disaster, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but everything has a very specific taste, and everything is as spicy as it should be. So, highly recommend when it.
1: handled in the right hands, like Southeast Asian cuisine. Yeah. My goodness, yeah. It's yeah. the best. Yeah. Let's get, let's talk about your travels because you, you referenced some travel writing you've done and, and a lot of travel for your, for your book tours and, and your, and your mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Where do you like to travel for the food? I know this question seems boring, but I feel like I want to just, where does your mind go when I ask you this kind of basic question?
0: Yeah, I used to be a contributing, when I was younger, I used to be contributing to travel and leisure.
1: Uh, Ooh, with like good expense accounts with era? The greatest oh, expense accounts because this nice. was when, a, when
0: Amex owned it. Yes. Something called Meredith, I think, owns it now.
1: Oh, so, so they gave you like a black or something?
0: <laughs> they didn't give me a card, but there was, you know, I remember like, I remember at one point flying business on Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong, uh, staying at the peninsula, not just in any room, but in the, um, in the telescope suite where there's this giant telescope that looks out into the skyline from Kowloon, where, you know, uh, and then having a Rolls Royce Phantom drive me to the airport. <laughs> it was bananas. You know, I was like 30 years old. I'm like, this is life. Wow, <laughs> and it's all been downhill from there, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I, so yeah, I, I, food was a huge concentration for me. So I think some of the cities I enjoyed most: Bangkok for sure. I mm. mean, another one of those cities where you walk around, people are selling you, you know, hot soup in plastic bags, and you drink through a straw. I mean, you know, you, you just kind of another great city for ferries. You can take a ferry and hop around from um, you know from pier to pier, and there's great food just walking a couple of blocks inland. Bombay is incredible. And I went there with a friend of mine, Suketu Mehta, who's a great eater and uh, wrote Bombay Maximum City, a great Pulitzer finalist of a book about Bombay. So he was he knew where all the, you know, so we were both eating really well and being chased by gangsters and stuff. It was like a full- Sounds like its own novel, uh, your trip. It it was. It was a full-tilt kind of adventure. Uh, Beijing has great food. Um, Yeah, I think Asia, Seoul, obviously, uh, as I mentioned, a piece on Seoul. Asia, to me, has some of the best food out there right now. Uh, in terms of America, I, I think Memphis is an incredible and underrated food for uh, for barbecue. Yeah, I love a good barbecue.
1: Um, so I, yeah, I Beale I, Street's got some spots, mm-hmm. and then you get I think uh, there's a lot of lot of good dry rub barbecue up there. Yeah,
0: really good, and a lot of it is like in not in downtown, far from downtown. Yeah, so you're, you're right. So you have to Uber right. around, and it's always I think there's one called A and R or something. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of nowhere. I've never had anything so delicious. You know, and it's like two bucks or something. It's ridiculous.
1: But nice, Gary. Really great incredible. pick from Memphis. That was unexpected. Expected. I yeah. love that pick. Great yeah, one.
0: Memphis is really great. I mean, the South in general is is yeah. pretty damn good. Uh, I would definitely put Memphis
1: uh, on the map. Yo, yeah. do you want to um, break from fiction and get into some travel logs? Yeah, is that?
0: <laughs> I would love to. Are you kidding me? I would love to have my own like travel show or something. Yeah. You know, I remember at one point we pitched it to some travel channel, but uh, they were like, I had a bad pitch. I wanted to. Yeah. I think it was going to call the the annoyed traveler or something it was like it was like me moping around because I, I didn't get bumped up to business or something and they're like yeah maybe not but yeah like just a food trip that would be incredible because I eat like a
1: mother I you feel like you could take Tucci on I feel like you could take him on <laughs> <laughs> we aren't starting controversies here don't worry yeah, yeah 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 I would love for you to to host a show or some kind of me I, I just enjoy your travel writing You're written for Sephora. Thank you. I enjoy it Thank so. you. I enjoy
0: writing it more than anything honestly <laughs>
1: So I wanna ask you about the bungalow colony you grew up you, mm-hmm. you grew up going to is in Ellenville? It was in Ellenville. Yeah, do you know Ellenville have you been there? So I was gonna ask you about mm-hmm. Cohen's. Bakery. Oh yeah! Did you ever go there and have the corn rye at Cohen's?
0: No, we didn't. And it was the reason was well, first of all, we didn't really know much about it. When we went to Ellenville, we went to one place only. There was a kind of mm. it was like a Dairy Queen setup, but it wasn't Dairy Queen. It was like an off-brand Dairy Queen, <laughs> Dairy King had, probably. Dairy King, <laughs> Dairy, yeah, uh, Dairy Princess. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was um, so we went there, and then we went to the supermarket. We were also all really like. Recent immigrants, nobody spoke English well, and we had, um, you know, we couldn't afford anything. You know, uh, I remember like when we went out to uh, Ponderosa Steakhouse, yeah. like that was a big thing, or Sizzlers. You know, and I remember we'd go there and we would all stock up. You know, and our grandparents would be putting tomatoes into their purses to, you know, to try to steal them, and because um, we were like, whoa, six ninety nine, we got to make this. Buffet last. You know, the fake culture is real, man. You know, it's real. So we didn't. I don't think we. But there was a woman who drove around in this station wagon, this gigantic, like, AMC or something station wagon, and she would sell, she was this big woman, and she would scream, uh, breads, cakes, all across the bungalow colony, and all these Russians would come out for a quarter. You could buy a Danish for 50 cents. You could buy, like, a... What a cool memory. Yeah, and so I wrote about this in a memoir called Little Failure, and all of a sudden this guy wrote in and said, I think that was my mom, uh-huh. And he said we had a difficult relationship, I think, and she had issues and stuff. And that was very interesting because to us, she was like the, br- the bringer of bread.
1: She was know? the baker. Well, I have to say in Ellenville today, there's a mm-hmm. bakery called Cohen's Bakery. Collins. Ellenville is on the to Honkson over the hill up in the uh-huh. Catskills. And I feel like it is the best Jewish bakery in New York State. Wow. And the corn rye that they're making is insane. It is so wow. good. It is it is the most deeply flavorful bread and wow. it has a texture. I think good rye has that ve- that wow. velvety texture, yeah, I love right? Good rye. Oh. Good rye. It's, it's corn rye. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you've been up there. I, I highly recommend. it. I'm going to go for sure. <laughs> I'm
0: going to go for sure. I actually, well, and there's an, there's a restaurant there that people have been talking about. I hope it didn't close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aroma or something. Aroma mm-hmm. something. I don't know if you ever you you've ever tried it. I I would love to try both go to the bakery and the restaurant.
1: I've not been to Rome I've heard about it but I I know there's some some cool things in Ellenville a very small little town and it has a so great little theater there though.
0: Yeah the theater so what is the theater now movies or is it uh, uh, a it's or a stage it's a summer stock. It's a stage. Stock. Oh cuz I think it was at one point a movie theater because I remember seeing Octopussy there and being so <laughs> wowed by that. I think it was my first Bond Oh, there film. is a
1: movie theater there. Of course, there's yeah. a movie theater there, and it's an uh-huh. old two-screener. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Wonderful little Yeah, spot. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really yeah. great
0: stuff, like a quarter for popcorn back in the day. Oh, my God, I had such great memories.
1: <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about a TV and film because you write for Succession. And I and you also just praised Jackets, which yeah uh, shout out yeah Yellow Jackets. I, I should I
0: should preface by saying I've done some some stuff for Succession I'm not like you know okay. one of the main writers but I do I did work on the second season M- my
1: yeah. error uh, not yours because that was clear when I prepped it was you're a consultant on a Succession yeah. so I guess what draws you to this TV work and and in terms of the TV work um, do you write food scenes because you have such this grasp of food writing uh,
0: yeah yeah I mean I do I haven't I've never written a food scene uh, I hope to write a food scene. Uh, I find TV really, I'm, I'm a very dialogue driven writer. So a lot of my, uh, books, you know, just people talking, people talking over food and, you know, prestige TV is all about people talking over food, sometimes in a private jet, but that's the, you know, that's, that's succession really. They're all just talking and drinking and, uh, making snide remarks over really overpriced food. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to, I would love to write a food scene, um, uh, and I th- uh, shows like Billions have great food scenes. You know, they often call out great New York uh, eating spots. I think the people that write for that are big foodies. Yeah, so the creator is is
1: clearly a foodie. The creator's a huge yeah. foodie.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, Koppelman, right? Yeah, yeah, Brian yeah, Koppelman. Yeah. He's
1: definitely like hanging out with a lot of food writers, and I, I like obviously TV that has like a real understanding of food and not just a surface, yeah. superficial. Like yeah. resonates yeah. with like ninety eight percent of the population.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I on, on that note, I love hanging out with uh, food critics. You know, I just recently had drinks with Adam Platt at mm-hmm. Pestis actually. Oh, cool. You know, and he's really great. He's got a nice kind of. Uh, a no-BS kind of attitude toward restaurants in New York. I remember Pete Wells, whose whose critiques I love, I remember having dinner with him, too. So there's some really... Really delicious writers out there.
1: I love we, you can learn a lot from a food critic. And on this show, just going to shout out, we've had interviews with Bill Addison at the L.A. Ooh. Times, Ruth Reichel, former New York Times, L.A. Times. Sure. Uh, Pete Wells previously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete, yeah. That's, yeah. Is that who I said? Or? Yeah, yeah, Pete, yeah. yeah, Pete. yeah Pete. We've had Pete's them all on the, the Taste podcast. And we really and, and Robert Seitzema, so. Oh, I love his stuff, too. He's great. And you can learn a lot from stuff. the critics. Love his stuff, yeah. We ask all of our guests on the Taste podcast, if there was a book that you could write, a cookbook. Let's just say cookbook, Gary without a budget or time or even a deadline, what would that cookbook be?
0: Wow, that's a really tough one. I feel like if it existed, maybe it already exists. Does Russ and Daughters have a cookbook? Ooh,
1: Ooh, don't quote me on it. I'm gonna say they've got such great branding. They must, they have, a must cookbook. have one.
0: See, this is the thing. So if they <laughs> have one, then that kind of destroys any need for a cookbook for me because yeah. that that kind of because they're incredible in that they have an amazing drinks list. One of the best drinks links, list. I mean, their mixology is second to none. It's a cool place. Um, you know, I love because the Russian idea of food is you're basically it's it's all about zakuski which is sort of the appetizer i mean the main dishes kind of suck if you ask me sorry all the <laughs> russians out there but it's the you know you're sitting around little bits of herring on pumpernickel toast or sturgeon or sable or any of one of these wonderful fishes you put in a blini you put it on some kind of rye or or some kind of peasant bread uh, some pickles and then you mix it with incredible drinks right and that's all you need you know so if there was if that's you know that's what i like to serve people that's my contribution when when my friends make uh, dinners, you know, and they cook these uh, very complex, you know, my friend Suketu makes beautiful <laughs> gujarati, vegan mm-hmm. dishes, or oh, uh, uh, vegetarian great. dishes. And my, um, you know, my friend James makes that incredible vitello. And I will make, I will open up some beautiful Daughter sardines, slap them on pumpernickel bread and get some incredible vodka into
1: the mix. And I think uh, a little bit of talking. vodka goes a long way. It really does. And Gary Scheingart, thank you for joining us on thank today's podcast. Thank you so podcast. much. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: The Taste podcast is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Anna Hiesel. The show is produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Our theme music is by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.